James chapter 1. going to begin reading at verse 21. It says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word. Everybody say doers. Be ye doers of the word. And not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. Some of you that are we're here for Thursday night, you're like, man, Pastor, you're just carrying on what you... Verse 23, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or looking at yourself in a mirror or getting a reflection of yourself. For he beholdeth himself... And go and straight and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Hmm. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Amen. And I'm going to read just a couple more scriptures. Uh, if you want to turn with me, you can. First John two seventeen. And then we'll go to Psalm chapter 1. 1 John 2.17 and Psalm 1. Amen. I want my ways to please the Lord. I want my thoughts to please Him. I want my actions to please Him. I want my character to please Him. I want the way that I treat others to please him. Amen? 1 John 2.17 And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Hmm. Everything else is going to pass away, but he that doeth the will of God. Doers. Everybody say doers. That's a funny word, isn't it? Doers. Let's do it. It almost sounds like a word from New York. Are you a doer, man? Are you a doer? Psalm 1-1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. We just preach on that a while. But his delight, (laughs) his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit. Oh, I want to see some fruit. Anybody want to be fruitful in here? Bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth, oh, doeth, doeth, doeth. Oh, I love that word. Shall prosper. Hmm. Amen. Seems like there's a lot of doing going on in here. Not just hearing, not just meditating, but doing. Amen? I want to talk to you for the next few moments on this subject, doers of the word. 
doers of the word. Lord, thank you for your word. Help us to be doers and not hearers only. And God, we'll give you all the praise and the glory as you make us fruitful and prosper according to your will and your plan for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. Faith cometh by hearing, but faith without what? Works is dead. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but faith without works is dead. We can have all the faith we want in God, and we can have all the faith that we want in the word of God, but the key is not believing. The key is doing. Amen? The key is doing, being obedient to the will and to the word of God. We live in a society of free religion. Anybody know what free religion is? Anybody? All right. Okay, well, let me give you kind of for instance. For instance, we have less than 2% of America that actually goes to church every week. So guess what? (laughs) You are in the top 2%. You should should really pat yourself on the back and give yourself a hand for that. You're in the top 2%. You went to church this week. But there's less than 2% of America that is actually doing what the Word of God says. Well, what do you mean? Well, the Bible says that we're supposed to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So going to church, is it's supposed to be part of our weekly uh, and daily things that we do. It's not enough for us just to come, though, and to hear the Word. We have got to obey the Word. Everybody say obey. Amen. Amen. But what does it do for us? That's what some people want to know in a society of free religion. Well, if I come and I obey, what does that do for me? What's in it for me? What have you done for me lately, Jesus? If we don't retain the word of God, if we don't keep the word of God, this is why David talked about meditating on the word day and night. He wanted to make sure that people understood it wasn't enough just to see it once. It's not enough just to hear it once. Amen. Sometimes we sing. How many of you know that we sing some of the songs that we have sung today? We have sung those songs probably at least 30 times. We have. And there's a lot of the songs and the things that we do. But you know what? Every Sunday, sometimes it seems like I put pressure on myself. I think, you know what? They got to hear something new today. We gotta, I got to teach something new. We got to preach something new. And then it's, it's funny every once in a while, because if you preach something that you preached some time ago and somebody remembers you preaching it, they'll come up to you and they'll say, I remember when you preached that before. Or I've heard that one before. You know, it's kind of funny because I don't walk over to Josh and say, Josh, you're playing, we're not ashamed. We've, we've, I've, I've heard that one before. I remember when you did that a couple weeks ago and then a month before that. And, but isn't it funny that we can, we can get so caught up in, in, in sometimes our emotions whenever we're in a service and, and, and we feel the presence of God and, and everything is good while we're here, but then when we leave, we forget we got, we got a little something, but we didn't get enough. You see, while we were beholding our face in the glass, while we were looking into the perfect law of liberty, we, we saw some things that needed to be changed. However, when we left the building, we said, hmm, I don't know about all that. <laughs> That's going to require some sacrifice, and I don't know if I can do that. And, you know, the thing, that, the, the thing that really gets to me is that we live in this society that fosters that and says, you know, as long as you go to church, it's okay. As long as, you, as, long as you're in church, that's good. And you know what? P- 
believe me, I do not want any of anybody that is here today to feel like you did bad by coming to church. You did great by coming to church because that's where you're going to hear what you need to hear. That's what you, where you're going to feel what you need to feel. That's where you're going to see the things in the Word of God that you need to see and the things about yourself that need to be changed. That's where you need to be. But it's not just enough to come and be a hearer. It's not just enough to come and see. You have got to become a doer of the Word. We have got to get the Word of God for ourselves and for our families. We cannot depend on just what the, the, the philosophers say. We can't depend on what the, the, the astronomers say. We can't depend on what the prophets say. We can't depend on what just the, the TV evangelist or the radio preacher says. We have got to get the Word of God, and we've got to get it for ourselves. We live in the high-tech society. <laughs> we, we have all the neatest gadgets. Oh, I've got the coolest thing. And, you know, I, I just, whenever I was little, I thought it would be just the coolest thing in the world to have a cell phone. To have a phone that wasn't attached to a wall, that didn't have a line, that ran out to another line, that ran to a bigger line. That I thought, man... These people that have these gigantic car phones, they walk around like they're calling in an airstrike. That would be so cool. And today, you can get a phone that's that big. Some of you have phones that are that big. I hope you put them on silent for the next few minutes. But some of you are checking your phones right now. But today, before the service, somebody wanted to get a, a book from me, and, and, and they didn't have any cash, and so they said, I, I've got a card, and I said, well, what do you know? I have a phone that will take your card payment. Some of you are looking at me like, okay. you got to understand, we live in a high-tech society. All the coolest gadgets. I, I signed up for this free account, and they sent me this little square car reader in the mail, and it plugs into my earphone at the top of my iPhone, and I can take your credit card or your debit card, and I can swipe it, and I can get a payment that will go directly to my bank account from your card. We live in a high-tech society. It's, a, it's an awesome thing. You know, I, I, we live in a visual society. Now, not only did I swipe your card, but now I hand you my iPhone and say, sign it with your finger, please. <laughs> telling the truth. Am I telling the truth, Dennis? And so we live in this visual high-tech society, and we are no longer just listeners, but we have to have something to entertain us. We have to have something to keep our attention, and so there's an app for that. Oh, you, you didn't know? <laughs> you, are you looking for it? Well, why don't you go to the app store? Because there's probably an app for that. Right? No longer do we just hear it. No, we, no, you can experience it through your smartphone. Now, Pastor, what are, what are you saying? I'm saying that we are beyond just listeners anymore. We, we have to be visually entertained. And in a world that visually entertains us and visually captures our attention, uh, you know, uh, gone are the days of, of making a flyer with a magic marker and a piece of paper. Right? I mean, now you, you can actually make a flyer on your computer and print it out cheaper than you can buy a magic marker and a pack of paper. 
Some of you are looking at me like I have lost my mind. We do the very best that we can to make sure that everything about the presentation of the Word of God and of the Gospel at the church is visually appealing and that it, it, it reaches out to you and we, we have graphics and uh, we have cool things and sometimes I even have shows that, you know, as I'm going through, it pops up in a nice picture and you're like, oh yeah, I can relate to that. Uh, you know, we've got things, we'll have props out here and we'll do things. We want to make it as visually uh, appealing to you as possible. And we'll do the very best we can in presentation because we want everybody to understand the Word of God. And we want everybody to apply it to their life because we want everybody to look into the law of liberty and find out what do I need to do. More than anything... We want you to know the Word of God. We want you to see the changes that need to be made. We want you to have an understanding and to hear the Word of God so that your faith can be built up by the hearing of the Word of God. But more than anything else, we want you to start doing the Word of God. We want you to take the principles from the Word of God and apply them in your daily life. You see, it's not enough just to hear the Word. I can recite some of the most you know, incredible stuff but until I apply it to my life. I can memorize some in incredible verses, but until I apply them to my life. Amen? I see people living every day, living what the television preaches. Oh, Pastor, you're not going to talk about television, are you? You know, if you talk to children from ages 5 to 10... In that age, they are so influenced. You don't even realize how influenced they are. You see, we don't have a television in my house. And my children don't get to watch too much television. But if I go to the store, it's amazing to me. If I go to the store, my children are telling me why I need to buy certain products. Dad, you got to buy this because this is what it does. What? How do you? How do you know about fabric softener? I mean, really? No, Dad, you've got to get this brand because this is the brand that takes it out like it's supposed to. What? What? Pastor, have you lost your mind? No, think about it with me, though. We, we, we let the television dictate to us through way of commercials and programming. And then we start living that way, and we find that our morals and our principles are now starting to, you know, mimic a little bit of what we saw on television. And, you know, you can't even get into a conversation with somebody without them saying, you know, on this one show, it's kind of like this. You know, it's kind of like on the Seinfeld episode where blah, 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 blah. It's kind of like that episode at the office where blah, 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 blah. It's kind of like Glee where blah, blah, blah. Hello. <laughs> Is it warm up here or is it me? Whew. All right, so the problem is that we've got people that are willing to live out and to do what they hear on television, to do what they hear in the national media and the public uh, you know, life and, and society. But you don't have to look too far to find people obeying and, and, and believing what Hollywood and what Lady Gaga and Miley Cyrus and all these other people are telling them to do and to look like and to be like. And they're more than happy to mimic those people. I see people that are, are they're, they're carbon copies of, of, you know, Justin Biebler. And you got people that, 
Did I say that out loud? You know, back in the 70s, okay, the Beatles come, they have the, the you know, the really cool hair and flops around. And, and you know what? The cool hairstyle in the 70s became that Beatles, you know, flopping around and they closed down barbershops. People, could, people didn't even want to get haircuts anymore because they wanted to look like the Beatles. Today, you've got a bunch of teenage wannabe Justin Bieblers walking around with scruffy hair that, am I telling the truth? They want to find out what shade and what tone that Miley Cyrus uses. And, and, and what, 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 what is that that, you know, Beyonce has on? And what? They want to be caught up in obeying and believing that if they look the part and they have the lifestyle that these people have, that they're going to have the success and the happiness that these people seem to have. But can I tell you one thing that they are forgetting is that these people are putting on a show and that what they are living is a facade. We need some people in our community that will stand up and they'll say enough is enough. We don't have to look like the world. We don't have to act like the world. Come on, somebody. We, we don't have to be popular. We don't have to be attractive as far as what the world thinks is attractive. We need some people that will stand up and say enough is enough. I want to do what the Bible says. I want to look the way the Bible tells me to look. I want to act the way the Bible tells me to act. Uh, come on, somebody. I want to give the way the Bible tells me to give. I want to love the way the Bible tells me to love. I want to be a doer of the word it's not let's do what the pastor tells us it's not let's do what televangelist tells us or what grandma or grandpa or uncle or aunt says that we should do no we have to obey the word of God the word of God let, let, me, let, let me just stop right here and, and give you a famous disclaimer that you'll hear me give if you attend this church for any length of time if I mess up and I get outside of this bible you need to get this Bible, and you need to get into it. You need to make sure that what I'm saying is true and what I'm saying is factual. Because if I start telling stories and they don't line up with the principles in the Word of God, you need to find yourself another church. You, come on, somebody. You need to find yourself a pastor and a preacher that will talk to you and tell you what the book says, even if it hurts your feelings, even if it doesn't make you feel good all the time. Amen? You need to follow what the Word of God says. Because when judgment day comes, we are not going to be judged by what we heard our preacher say. The Bible tells us we're going to be judged out of that book. We're going to be judged from working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And you know what? We're going to be successful if we are doers of the word and not hearers only. Amen? So if we obey God's word, we'll be judged by his word. There are benefits and there are consequences to everything that you do in life. This is a powerful principle. If you can get it into your children early, it's awesome. But if you let them go until they're teenagers and then try to get it into them, I will say good luck. I hope it works. But the earlier you can start, the better. Okay? There are principles that, that you have to get instilled. One of them is benefits and consequences. There are benefits to doing the right thing, and there are consequences when you do the wrong thing. 
And, and one of the great things, uh, I, m- most of you know, I, I am a strong-willed child. <laughs> I have strong-willed children. Uh, my, my mother and father uh, gave me a lot of good principles because they basically had to figure them out uh, through prayer and through counseling and probably through reading Dr. Dobson's books uh, of how to handle somebody that was very strong-willed. And one of the great things that they teach and one of the great things that uh, some of these principles show is that if you will teach a child, this is your choice. You make the choice, and then based on your choice, this is what's going to happen. If you can show them that basically they have two paths, whichever path they choose is, is going to be either benefits or consequence, if you can get that instilled into them, then it's going to make your job so much easier because then all you have to do is make sure you be consistent. pretty quiet in here right now. There are pros and cons with every choice that you're going to make. The benefits and the consequences will always follow a response. So if we obey the book, we are going to receive what the book promises, right? Let me give you, for instance, if you tell your child, look, if you will finish your peas, you We'll get to play a game tonight. If you do not finish your peas, so it used to be, you'll sit here at the table all night until you get those peas finished. Right? Well, maybe it's not finishing your peas anymore, but let's stick with that for now. So the child sits there, makes the decision, I want to play the game, so I'm going to finish my peas. Or they say, I don't care about playing that game, so I'm just going to sit here all night. And then after a while, they decide, you know what? These peas are cold. Now they're nasty. Now I really don't want to eat these peas. And so they start to throw a fit. And then you have a decision to make. Are you going to follow through with what you said you were going to do? Or are you just going to throw the peas in the garbage and try again tomorrow? That's right, Mama. Uh Uh-uh. You said this is what's going to happen? This is what's got to happen. Okay, I'm throwing a little parenting into my preaching today. You've got to be consistent. If you said it's going to happen, that's what's going to happen. I don't care how much they cry, throw a fit, you know, throw the peas on the floor. That's fine. We'll pick them up and you'll still eat them. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, you wouldn't make your kids do that. <laughs> I love my children so much, but they will eat those peas. Now, again, you may or may not force your children into eating their vegetables, and, and that's totally on you, okay? There are some, just pick your battles, all right? But I will say there are some things that you have to be very consistent on, and if you say, this is what's going to happen, that's what better happen, good or bad. Ashton, you went potty by yourself. You get an M&M. You get a fruit snack. You get whatever. Yay, consequences. If you don't... There's no consequences. We just, oops, we messed up. We'll try again. See, there are some things, it just depends on your maturity level, whether the consequences are really bad or the rewards are really good. We have all but got Ashton potty trained now because he understands good things happen when I go on the potty. (laughs) Right? And you say, well, Pastor, what are you talking about? For us, God does this the same way according to our levels of spiritual maturity. You're not going you know, to spank a child because they, they had an accident. That's ridiculous. 
I mean, I'm sorry if you do that or if you did that. Please don't let my parenting influence your parenting. I, I'm just saying, you, there are some things you don't need to, to, to harshly punish a child because they, they haven't figured something out. Their maturity hasn't got them to that point. And you know what? God is the same way. Many of us, whenever we see things in the Word of God and we're trying to change, we haven't got to that place in our maturity level to change those things. So guess what? This pastor and this leadership, we don't get up and nail people to the floor. Well, bless God, you're going to split hell wide open. You know why? Because some people haven't reached that maturity level to where they see, oh, this is important. This is good. This would be awesome if I would, if I would do this, what the Word of God says. You haven't got to that place, so nobody's criticizing you. But guess what? When you do mature to that place where you know to do good, and then you don't do it, the Bible says it is sin to you. So what do we need to do? Well, you've got to realize that we get those promises in the book. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line, right? I am trusting in his love divine. Every promise in the book is mine. <laughs> it's mine. Like my, that's mine. That's mine. If you personalize it and you make it yours and you become a doer of the word, every promise, everything that's in this book, it is for you. Guess what? There is healing in the book. Amen? There's salvation in the book. There's deliverance in the book. This right here is the only book that has remained a bestseller for hundreds of years because it delivers on the promises and it is consistent with the instructions that it gives. The Bible is the best book to get parenting advice from because the Bible's consistent. And the number, I think the number one thing in parenting is consistency. You know what kills most kids? Inconsistency. Kids have no stability. They don't even know what to expect. If you are not consistently living, let's just say, okay, Let's say you're an Indian, all right? You're an Indian, you live like a Native American, and if you don't consistently live like an Indian, your kid's going to say, are we an Indian or aren't we an Indian? I don't know. I'm kind of like part Native American, but I'm not really sure. I mean, like I live on a reservation, but I don't know. It's like we do everything else that they do, so I, I don't know. Pastor, um, be really careful because that could be like racial. Well, I'm not getting racial. Stay with me. If you're going to live like an Indian, you're going to, uh, you know, embrace that Indian culture. There are things that you will do and you won't do because you're an Indian. Places you will go and places you won't go because you're an Indian. I mean, you're Native American. That's what you believe. That's, that's your belief system. That's your uh, desired set of morals. So that's how it is. And guess what? It's like that with anything. In the military, they have a, a, a set of guidelines that you have to follow. And I mean, when you belong, when you're property of the U.S. government, there's ways that you can act and ways that you can act. Am I telling the truth? <laughs> While I'm on it, they, they have a uniform too. And you know what's so funny to me is when I'm out with soldiers somewhere and a, a soldier sees another soldier not in uniform like they should be, they're like, well, I guess that doesn't matter anymore. 
I've heard them. I've heard them say, well, I guess I, well, I, guess I don't have to wear my, my hat out in public. I guess soldiers don't have to do that anymore. I guess, well, I guess we don't have to have our, our jacket buttoned. I guess we don't have to wear the right boots. I guess, are you with me? There's a uniform. You're supposed to look a certain way as a soldier, property of the U.S. government. You are. That's just how it is. And guess what? They tell you what time to show up and what time you can leave. They don't care if you want to go or if you don't want to go. If they tell you to go, you're going to go. Why is that so hard for us then to bring that into soldiers of the kingdom? We sing, I'm a soldier in the army. Right. Then why are you AWOL so much? No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Forgive me. I, I'm a little out of control, okay? So if we believe that we are Indian or soldier, and, and then we don't live that lifestyle, it's going to be evident to everybody around us. Are, am I telling the truth now? How much more so then if we are not doers of the word? How, how much more does it reflect on us as Christians if we are not walking like Christ? If we are not doing what the Bible says? Yeah, I don't mean to be harsh, and I'm not trying to be rude, but the Bible gives some very specific commands. So what, what are some specific commands? There are general and there are, you know, specific. Generic commands enjoy a general obligation, the implementation of which is left to the judgment of the individual. When Jesus said, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel uh, to the whole creation, the imperative go, a participle used in the imperative sense, is generic, thus granting evangelistic options. There was not only one way of going, so he left it broad. One may go personally by means of a plane or an automobile, or he might go indirectly through literature, recordings, or supporting others to go. Or, uh, you know, you, you, you might have him going through means of media. But specific commands declare the precise manner of implementing the divine ordinance. On the day of Pentecost, Peter did not command the believing Jews to make some application of water. Rather, he commanded them to be immersed, to be baptized, and the specificity that the injunction contains no authority for either sprinkling or pouring of baptismal water. I only have time to cover some of the things that we can do in obeying the Word of God, so I'm not going to try to cover everything in the next few minutes, but, but stay with me. There are some very, very important, specific things in the Word of God that we must obey. The number one thing, the first thing that we can do is we can repent. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Jesus told us we need to repent. What is repentance? Repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is a change of heart and mind, deciding you're not going to do what pleases you anymore, but you want to do what pleases God and pleases Him only. Acts 2.38, then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And Acts 17 and 30, and the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Is that specific enough for us? Repent. 
Repent. We must repent. Not just hear repent. Not just, oh God, I'm sorry. We must repent. We must come to the place where we realize our way is not the best way and His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts higher than our thoughts. We must repent. We must turn from our sin and turn from our lifestyles that are not pleasing to God and turn to Jesus Christ. Purpose in our heart. Purpose in our mind. We are going to obey the Word of God. We're going to repent. We're going to lay down this sin. Number two, we've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. We read it in Acts 2.38. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Amen. Acts chapter 19 and verse 1. Some people say to me, well, pastor, but I've been baptized before. And, you know, I was baptized, and I think they said the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Is that okay? And I say, no, uh, unless they said the name of Jesus, according to Acts 4.12, you're missing out. Because you're missing the only name under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. That's what has to be pronounced over you in baptism. Every time somebody's baptized in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19, they are baptized in the name of Jesus. Well, but, but pastor, uh, didn't Jesus say baptizing them, uh, go uh, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost? He absolutely and most certainly did, and that is name, singular, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And guess what? If you'll stick around after church, I will show you and I will prove to you without a shadow of a doubt that the name of the Father is Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. I've got scripture to back that up. But for just just a moment, those of you that have been baptized but not in Jesus' name, you need to look at Acts chapter 19. In Acts chapter 19, verse 1, and it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? Now, I'm going to pause there because we're going to come back to this. Just remember, they had believed, yes, but they had not received the Holy Ghost. A lot of churches are teaching you today, all you have to do is believe. We have Believe, but we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Verse 3, And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. And he said, Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying that unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were re-baptized, they were baptized a second time because the first time they had not been baptized in the name of Jesus. So if you have not been baptized in the name of Jesus, guess what? We have robes, we have towels, we have water. See, here is water. What does hinder you to be baptized in the name of Jesus? Amen? So you can be obedient to the Word of God before you even step out the doors today. Acts twenty two sixteen And now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Don't wait. Today's a, the best day. Don't wait. Tomorrow's not going to be as good as today. Today's the best day. Amen? Don't wait. Today is your day. 
Seek the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that they went to an upper room. The Holy Ghost is something that only God can give a person, but you have to seek. The Bible says, seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. I want you to know if you'll seek after God with your whole heart, he will fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Some people say, well, pastor, I don't understand. I, I believe on Jesus. I've confessed him with my mouth. But guess what? The Bible says if you believe, and, and then you will receive. But it doesn't say you have received. If you believe, you shall receive. Let me, let me break it down as fast as I can for you. These believers in Acts chapter 19, they had believed, but they hadn't even heard that there was a Holy Ghost. There's a lot of people in churches today all across this city that they believe, but they have not received the Holy Ghost. Some of them have not even heard that they can receive the Holy Ghost. Some of them are being told because they believe that the Holy Ghost is already present in them. Can I tell you that when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, something is going to happen to you. You will speak in a language that you've never learned before, just like they did on the day of Pentecost, and God will fill you with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Bible tells us in Acts 5.32 that God gives his spirit to them that obey him. We've got to do what the word says. Amen? Repent of your sins. Be baptized in Jesus' name and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Another specific command he gave us, go into all the world. And, and he tells us to reach the lost. Mark 16 and 15, he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. The Bible tells us that we are to reach for the lost. We are to do everything in our power. That's why uh, you say, well, pastor, I don't know. I'm not a real good witnesser. Well, you know, being a good witnesser starts with being a good witness. You don't have a very good uh, testimony if you're not a good witness. That's why a lot of the things, there's some things in our church that we, we just prefer uh, you not do if you're going to be in leadership here because, not because there's sin or they're going to send you to hell, but it just destroys your witness. Amen? And so there's some things that we want whenever people look and they see people in our church, we don't want them to think, oh, they're holier uh, than thou, they're, they're righteous, they're mighty, all this. We want them just to see people that are submitted and sacrificing and living according to the plan of God for their life. It's not that anybody's trying to be any better, but we don't want to give anybody any reason to fall. We don't want anybody to have any reason to say, well, uh, you know, they, such and such, they do this, so I can do that. I, I was, somebody came to our church uh, about a month ago, and they told me, they said, you know, I, I went to another church just a little bit ago, and, and I came, and, and uh, you know, one of the deacons came out and greeted me, and then after he greeted me, he went over and he, he lit up in the parking lot, and I said, well, okay, and they said, I knew I didn't want to be at that church, I said, and I, t I quickly told him, I said, well, do you know that we, we have a few people in our, our congregation that are still, you know, they're still working on their addiction? And she said, she said, oh, okay. And I said, now, you know, we, we don't put them on our platform, but they are, they are part of our family. Amen? So, so you know, there's no, no bad feelings. If, if you've got an addiction or you've got a problem, it doesn't matter if it's smoking or drinking or cussing or whatever it is that you have a problem with, we want you to be here. Amen? We want you to be around. But there are certain reasons that we have preferences because a good witnesser starts with a good witness. You have to have a good witness. You have to have a good rapport. And when people see you, uh, you know, I, I've heard stories of, of people that made judgment calls based on what they saw that one a month ago. That was just, that, that was a random one. But I've heard a lot of 
of people say, well, I, I couldn't go to that church because, and you know why? It was because somebody in the church wasn't living like Christ. And, you know, I, I tried to tell them, say, look, no church is perfect. You know, I, I'm always on the side of the church. I said, look, no church is perfect. And they said, well, I can't go to that church with all, that, all those hypocrites. And I said, you know, one more is not going to hurt. Just come on. It's all right. Because <laughs> nobody's perfect. Nobody has it all figured out. Amen? We, we do the very best that we can to be obedient to Christ and to live like Christ, but we've got to do the best that we can to obey him. We can lay hands on the sick. The Bible says, Mark 16 and verse 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Verse 18, they shall take up serpents. Now, we're not snake handlers here. And if they drink any deadly thing, nor do we drink strychnine or poison, it shall not hurt them. They, lay, they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. You say, well, pastor, why are you leaving those parts of the verse out? Because he didn't say you're supposed to do it on purpose. He didn't say, see if you can get a venomous snake to, to bite you and still live. Test your faith out that way. No. Matter of fact, whenever they, you know, they were criticizing and speaking ill of the man of God in the Old Testament, he sent the serpents to him. So I really don't believe he's going to use a form of punishment to prove faith in the New Testament. Hello? That's sound reasoning right there if you, if you, from the Word of God. So... If we look at the scripture, we can get the most out of the preaching. If we can get out of uh, just, you know, looking into the word of God and looking into it and then forgetting what we saw, forgetting what we need to change. Some of us, we read it and say, ooh, ouch, oh, ooh, that hurts. And then we put it down and say, all right. And that's why we let it collect dust. Because we, ooh. I don't know about you, but whenever I was a teenager, I, I was in the mirror all the time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Come on now. Anybody, anybody else? Checking to see if I had a pimple coming now, you know. Checking my hair. I still check to see if it's there, but uh, check, checking my hair and, check, you know, looking. Yeah, see, I look all right. And if there was something that was out of place, you know, I was trying to fix it. You know, I got a hair where it shouldn't be or, you know, just trying to take care of it. Do you know what? We, we need to get not into a vanity mode, but we need to get into a place where we are like that with the scripture, where we say, you know what? I need to see what's wrong. I, there's something wrong with my Christian life. I got to get into the word. I got to find out what's going on. Something's not right. Ooh, something's got to change. Yep, that's got to change in me. And so the next day, we, we don't just hear the word and put it down. We say, you know what? Tomorrow's going to be different. This is how it's going to be different. And we put a plan into action. Amen. That's how we've got to be. We've got to get into the Word of God, and we've got to be concerned about what our spiritual man looks like. Amen. The Bible says they'll lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Did you know that it's scriptural for us to lay hands on you if you're sick and for you to recover? Amen. It's scriptural for us to lay hands and for somebody to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let me, let me ask you this, and, and I'm going to close right now. But why in the world would God give us any more than what he's already given us. Why should he give us any more? Why should he do anything else for us until we start actually doing what he said to do? I don't know about you, but with my children, I, I, I'm pretty straightforward. I like to give my kids good things. How many of you like to give your children and grandchildren good things? It's just, I mean, you love to see their faces and them be so happy. And, you know, if I take my kids, if I take my kids out to some place that they like to eat or take them through, you know, Taco Bell or McDonald's, they love McDonald's. I don't know why kids love McDonald's, but they, they love McDonald's. And I, 
I can't stand McDonald's, to be honest with you. Uh, I really despise McDonald's for the most part. I can handle breakfast. But whenever I'll take my kids through McDonald's, it makes them so happy. You know what? Thank you, Daddy, for taking us to McDonald's. And I didn't even have to prompt it. They just, thank you, Dad. And I can tell they're really thankful. But I got to thinking about this the other day, and I was talking with my children, and I said, you know what? You're not taking care of this that I got you, and you're not taking care of this that I got you, and I told you that I wanted you to do this when we get home, and you're not doing that. And so what I told them is I said, look, until you start doing these things, you're not going to get anything else. That's it. And matter of fact, if you break that, I'm not getting you another one. If you don't take care of it, if you don't, you know, treat it like I told you you need to treat it, I'm not giving you anything else. Now, do I mean that I'm never going to give them anything? No. But I am very serious about you've got to learn this level in order to get to the next one. You know, I'm not going to give you specifics, but let me just say God does us the same way. He'll, He'll entrust you with certain things. He entrusts you with the family that you have. He entrusts you with the job that he's given. He entrusts you with the the vehicle or the place that you have to stay. He entrusts you with these things. And all these things, good things, the Bible says, all good things come from God. Everything good that you have, it's from God. So if you don't take time every day and thank him for it, you know, I'm sorry, that's probably where you should start. Because everything good that you have, you didn't earn it, you didn't deserve it, he gave it to you. You said, well, I work for it. Yeah, and he gave you the health to get yourself out of bed and get to work so that you could earn the money. Amen? So here's the thing. If we'll do what he says in his word, why should he give it? Sh- if we won't even do this, why should he give us any more? Why should he add more blessing? Why should he add more anointing? Why should he, why should he add healings into our life if we're not willing just to do what he says? Why should he add, you know, miracles that we've been asking him for? <laughs> My daughter asked, you know, she said, uh, why can't we do this? And I said, well, you know, J- Julia, that takes a lot of money. Like hundreds of dollars, Dad? Um, no, like thousands of dollars, Julia. <laughs> well, I thought it would just take hundreds of dollars. So I had to explain the process because my daughter's a lot like me, and she has a very inquisitive mind, and so I explained to her, this part of the, the, the trip would take hundreds of dollars, and this part of the trip would take hundreds of dollars, and this part of the trip would take hundreds of dollars, and you add it all up, Julia, and it takes thousands of dollars. Wow. She said, you know, Dad, I wish that, um, I wish that, you know, I'm, I'm going to, she said, I'm going to start praying, Dad, and I think maybe that they will come to our house with one of those really big checks, She said, you know where they sign a bunch of people up and then they pull out a name and when, if they pull out your name, they come to your house and they have a video camera and they have a really big check for you? I said, honey, I admire your faith. I really, I admire your faith. That, that is awesome. I said, you know, uh, the chances of that happening are not real great, but if it does happen, I promise you we'll take that trip, Okay. Here's the thing, though. Why should God do any more for us than what he's already done if we're not willing to obey what he has told us we need to do? You see, we've got to get out of church mode and into relationship mode. It's good to come to church. I love it. Especially, man, it looks good in here today. You guys, everybody got out of bed. Everybody showed up. You look good. Your hair is did. Everything 
It's just right. But you know what? If this is where it stops, then I'm not doing my job. Whenever you leave here, you see the the doors that you're going to walk out in just a few minutes. That is the entrance to the mission field. That is where life really begins. This is where we get encouraged. This is where we get pumped up. This is where we get built up. This is where souls are saved and lives are changed. People are delivered. But then we're going to go back. Amen? And if we're only living for Jesus while we're here, we're missing out. We're only hearers of the word. Repeating what Jesus said is not enough. My three-year-old is doing that a lot now. I'll say something, and he'll repeat it back to me in a question. Is that right, Daddy? Ashton, we're going we're gonna to put this over here. We're going to put this over here, Daddy? Yeah. So when Jesus said baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost, he didn't intend for the disciples to say in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. That was just repeating what he said. He expected them to obey what he said. You see, very, very quickly, there's a difference. My oldest daughter, she knows not to repeat what I said. Sometimes if she didn't get it straight, she'll repeat it and make sure she got it right. But, but she knows if I say this is what I want, I don't want her repeating it to me. I want her to do it. Difference is he's three and she's nine, right? Okay, here's the difference with us. A lot of times people say, well, Jesus said, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We should say, Father, no. Jesus said, baptizing them in the name. Well, the name is Jesus. Not repeating what Jesus said, obeying what Jesus said. Doing what he says takes a responsible and willing heart. It takes a made-up mind. It takes somebody that says, I'm going to do even what goes against my nature to do. It's hard to do sometimes. I know there's, there's... 50 churches out here today that will tell you what you want to hear and make you feel good, and you'll go home and say, oh, that was such a good word. I feel so good. But the problem is nothing changed. The Bible says if we come and we look into the law of liberty and we go away and we forget what we needed to fix, we forget what we needed to change, we forget what was wrong, we're just wasting our time. I love each and every one of you enough to tell you that we've got to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Amen? If you would, I'd like for you to stand with me today. Normally, we make a real emotional appeal at the end of the service. And we are going to appeal to your emotions, but I don't want to just appeal to your emotions right now. See, because your emotions is what stimulates your mind to act. (laughs) When I loved my wife, my emotions moved me to purchase a ring, to get down on one knee, and to commit the rest of my life to her. My emotions did that. But it was my will that bought the ring, and it's been my will that has decided, even when we've had an argument, one or two in the last, you know, 14 years, just, just a couple. Sorry, God. I'm, it's been more than a couple. I apologize. I just, she's not here, and I'm not really supposed to talk about her when she's not here. She's at kids' church today. So, so uh, honey, if you hear the recording, I'm sorry. Uh, it was just, it's been a lovely time. But when we have an argument or two, It's been my will that said, you know what? I know that right now we're having an issue, 
but I choose to stay married to you. I, I choose to love you like Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it. I, I choose to say I'm sorry, even though right now in my heart, I, I don't really feel like I'm wrong, but I don't want to fight with you. I choose to, to make decisions that are hard for me and give up things that I would want because I know it's what's best for you and the children. Pastor, are you patting yourself on the back? No, I'm trying to get you to understand. It's great for your emotions to be involved. But even when your emotions aren't involved, you still got to get up Sunday. <laughs> you still got to roll out of bed, stick your head in the shower, wake up, get to church. Even when you don't feel religious, you got to find that time every day talking to God getting the Bible out and getting into that perfect law of liberty. You know, if you only looked at yourself once a week in a mirror, you'd look pretty bad come the next week, wouldn't you? Hello? <laughs> Don't wait for Sundays to get the mirror out. Get it out every day. Look into it. How, you know, it shouldn't be the pastor that tells you how to do this. You should figure it out. The Bible says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, does it not? It's not enough for me just to hear the word. I like to hear the word. It brings faith. It uplifts my faith. He, faith comes by hearing, but then there's the doing. If there were flames all around us today, that would be scary, number one. Number two, if those flames were licking up the walls, and I said, hey, everybody, there's a fire in here. Yes, yes, pastor, there is. Amen, that's right. Preach it, pastor. No, guys, really, there's a fire in here. Yes, yes, that's fire, Pastor. And if you don't get out, we're going to burn up. Yes, we're going to burn up if we don't get out. That's right, Pastor. Amen, I believe it. You see where I'm going with this? Well, the Bible tells us repent and be baptized. Jesus said you've got to be born again of the water and the Spirit or, or you can't enter into the kingdom of God. But some of us say, ah, I believe that. That's what the Word says. We've got to do it. Amen? It's not enough just to hear the Word. Hearing builds faith. It's great for faith, but guess what? Let's put our faith into action because the Bible tells us faith without works is dead. Don't, don't be a hearer this week. Don't just, okay, well, that's what the Bible says. That's what pastor said. You know, that's good. Get into it every day. Wait a second. I know pastor said something. What was that scripture he said yesterday? That really struck me. That, 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 uh, that applied to my life. I need to, okay, and there's that, there's that one, okay. And let me even cross-reference that with this other one over here. Oh, wow, if you put all those together, I really got some work to do. Amen? Can I tell you, if we would get into the mirror on a daily basis, you would look better when you came on Sunday. Not physically but spiritually. You wouldn't spend so much time, oh, me in, and oh, God, forgive me. You'd spend more time worrying about somebody else. God, touch so-and-so today. Give them the strength to look into the mirror this week. God, give them the courage to, to make the changes that they need to make. You'd pray for somebody else. You'd be a strength to somebody else. Amen? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to open this altar up right now. First of all, to those who need to be healed. There's physical healing. There's emotional healing. 
that needs to take place here today. If you need a healing in your body or your emotions, I want you just to step out of your seat and walk down to this altar. Those of you that you have a, a financial need, say, Pastor, that's probably everybody in the whole place. Well, specifically, you, you have a financial need, you need God to intervene this week. Why don't you step out? Walk down to this altar. Say, God, I'm going to be a doer. I'm going to be a doer. I'm not going to just be a hearer this week, but I'm going to be a doer. Those of you who never repented, or maybe you haven't repented in a while, why don't you make your way down to this altar now? Those of you who would like to obey what the Word of God says and repent of your sins, why don't you step out and walk down here today? God wants to touch you. God wants to heal you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to clean you up. You say, well, pastor, I feel like I'm doing pretty good. Guess what? You, you probably are, but you could do a little bit better with God. If you want to obey the word of God, repent of your sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, be filled with the Holy Spirit, why don't you walk out of your seat, step up to this altar, and as you pray, seek God to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Seek God to touch your life and stir up the Holy Ghost that's in you if you already have it today. Some of us, we know what the Word of God says. We've heard it and we've heard it and we've heard it. And now he says it's time to quit just hearing and start doing. Come on, this is a challenge today. I know this is a challenge. Some of you are, are being challenged to step up. It's, it's not just a hearing message. It's a doing message. It's not just, uh, I'm okay, you're okay, we'll be okay. No, it's, uh, I've got to change something in my life. Something's got to be different. Something could be better. Come on, this is your opportunity to step up, step out, grow up. Let God start doing the work in you. Let Him start fulfilling His plan and His purpose for your life. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. Don't wait. Don't wait.